We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series from the book of Ecclesiastes called Ask Hard Questions. And today we're going to listen to the second part of a message called Pleasure, Appetizer of Heaven. You see, when we embrace biblical pleasure, when we celebrate it and enjoy it and then thank the God that gives it to us, it draws us to the beauty of worship. God is a good, good father who gives good gifts. A couple years ago, we, um, Jensen and I were out of town and one of our boys was driving our van and someone slammed into him in the back and it's not it's not great to be out of town and get a call that your van just got nailed by somebody but thankfully everybody was generally okay and uh, my mom was with them and I came back and uh yeah the rear end of our van definitely needed some serious work and um so I took it in to get fixed and and after I took it in to get fixed they placed it was supposed to be high integrity more on that later in town, and so they started working. I get this email about halfway through the process saying, hey, do you know that your door on one side doesn't work? And I'm like, I know that door was working because I opened and shut it right before I turned it into you. Well, they fixed all the stuff on the back, some $8,000 worth of work, and we came to pick it up and got the van back, and I said, hey, the door is still a problem. You need to fix this. Well, I brought it in, and they looked at it, and they said, well... Sir, I don't know. I, I, I think you're going to need to pay to have it fixed. Okay, put aside for a minute that I'm a pastor. I went back there and I talked to him and he showed me back and they had opened up some stuff on the door and the, I didn't even know the parts of that door opened up. And um, well, sir, I'm sorry. You know, you're going to need to pay for this. Wait, wait, I just gave you $8,000 worth of business. I knew that door was working before. I am not paying you to fix this. I actually said these words. <laughs> I said, you can burn the door, you can cut the door out, you can do whatever you want, you need to fix this door. And he didn't. So I got it back, he went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, nowhere. I thought, I'm just going to have a broken door, for, and it's going to irritate me every time I can't open that door, right? Well, I just happened to take my van for something else to a, um, my mechanic when I can't take him to John. John's my favorite mechanic, but when I took it to another mechanic nearby, and he, I don't even know what he was working on in the van, but he did. And they called me. They said, hey, we fixed the thing. And by the way, we noticed your door wasn't working. We fixed that too for free. So I said, okay. And we got, got the van, and I got it back. And I said, oh, yeah. They said, yeah, there's no problem. We just fixed the door. It's all great. So I reached out to the previous person who apparently couldn't fix this without me paying $1,000 to fix the door. And I said, hey, just want to let you know, you can close your case now. My other mechanic fixed it for free. Well, I got it to their credit. They came back and said, well, hey, we'd be happy to pay your mechanic for fixing this door. So I thought, okay, that's at least an expression of a little bit of integrity. So I reached out to my mechanic and I said, hey, uh, they've offered to pay you, so just give me some sort of documentation about how much time it took and they'll pay you for it. The bizarre story couldn't get more bizarre. My mechanic was like, oh no, it's nothing, it's nothing. I'm like, no, they've already sent me the money and I got to have integrity. I can't be sitting on the money for your job. I need to get, oh no, it's nothing, you just keep it. No, take the money. 
Now let's go into our world. Sometimes I wonder, of all the good things God has made for us, sometimes I wonder if God's in heaven going, take the money. I made this for you. I love you. I created the world around you. I created these friendships. I created all these good things. I gave you a job. I gave you a brain. I gave you all this stuff. And you're sitting here going, no, 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 thanks anyways. I'm, I'm good. Someone said, I can't remember who it was. Apparently, the saying was more impressive than the person. But they said, we will be held accountable for the gifts of God that we did not enjoy. Now put that in your little pipe and smoke it for a minute. You will be held accountable. You will stand before the living God someday, give a lot of account for a lot of things we'd not like not to talk about. And thankfully, Jesus will stand in our defense. But I wonder if there is a point where we're going to need to realize that sometimes my ungratitude, my no thanks God I'm good, no I'm not, is really a different kind of sin. And honestly, one that makes us into a sort of killjoy where God is saying, take the money, take it. I made it for you. It's good. Sometimes we're too busy to accept God's gift. Sometimes it's too difficult because it maybe reminds us of previous things that are maybe not good, but sometimes we're too self-sufficient to accept God's gift. Sometimes we're, here it is, sometimes we're too good for God's gifts. You ever seen that picture of the Puritans? It's the famous one with the dude with the like hay fork or whatever that is and the lady. See, a lot of us have this mindset that the Puritans were these like black and white killjoys. I remember my professor in church history talking about Puritans. He said, actually, that's quite a mistake people make. He said, actually, the Puritans had colorful clothes and colorful drinks. Go back and study history. These were some of the most joyful, engaging, fun people. You'd enjoy having them at a party. Sometimes we have things and we allow ourselves to think that I'm more holy if I don't have fun. No, you're not. You're actually not holy. Sometimes we're too ambitious to stop and enjoy the gifts of God. Sometimes we're too depressed. We're too focused on the negative and the dark around us instead of enjoying the good things God gives you in our household, Jensine runs the Department of Fun and Human Enjoyment. And um, yeah, that's not always been my strength. We just celebrated 20 years uh, together. Our 20th anniversary was this week. And my wife has taught me a lot of good about pleasure and joy and taking time to smell the roses, not just get another task done. And I certainly appreciate that. And so I tried to return the favor this week. She, um, as many of you know, if you want to hear the full story, you can go back. She's in a journey in cancer now. And she was going in for a test on Monday. And I thought, you know, I know what she would be doing right now if she had a little time. And she was a little discouraged. And I thought, you know, I'm going to see if I can't find us a cafe for lunch because we were going to have to go for more doctor's appointments in the afternoon. And I found this little cafe. And here, I'll show you the picture of it. I found this little really cool cafe right around the corner from where we were going to the doctor visits and the James. And here's the crazy thing. In the midst of a chaotic, painful scenario that we're walking through, we had one of the funnest lunches I've ever had in our marriage. And we sat there and laughed our heads off and enjoyed some good food. The kombucha was so-so, but the food was awesome. I thank God for that time. 
And maybe you're thinking, well, hey, Pastor Luke, isn't pleasure an Old Testament concept? We're in Ecclesiastes, but what about the New Testament? Isn't there a focus on suffering and waiting for Christ to return? Isn't it all like, great, turn back to 1 Timothy. If you have a finger there, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, As for the rich in this present age, which is basically all Americans, if you've been to other parts of the world, we're pretty well off, even the least of us. It says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You know what that means in the Greek? That God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. But are you? you know, nobody likes to kill joy, especially God. I want to talk quickly here about removing pleasure killers. Pleasure killers. Turn back to Ecclesiastes with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to be going quickly here. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 7. It says, and again I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother. Yet there is no end to all of his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches. So that he never asks... For whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Then if you skip ahead down to chapter 6, verse 1, coming right on the heels where, where he's talking about pleasure as a gift of God, how God keeps us occupied with joy. In chapter 6, verse 1, he says, There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet, God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is temporal and a grievous evil. Listen, you can have all the stuff in the world. He's actually probably referring to himself. There's not many people who could have said that I literally have everything. That was Solomon. He had seen everything. He had had everything. He had enjoyed everything. And yet he says, there are some people who have it all at their disposal, but can't enjoy it. I wrote in the margins of my Bible a little prayer. I said, Lord, let me enjoy your gifts to the fullest. Help me. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church in Columbus. You know, I pray that as you listen to Meeting with God daily, you are growing in your passion to follow Jesus Christ. But you know, following Jesus is more than just listening to sermons. It's about serving Him with our gifts and abilities. Hey, can I encourage you to think about what would be the next step of faith in serving Christ in your church or your community? And you know, if you don't have a church, let me invite you to visit our church family at 1290 Old Henderson Road in Columbus. Now, what caused him to be unable or caused this person to be unable to enjoy these pleasures? There's really no direct answer, but there are clues. Look at chapter 5, verse 10. It says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Listen, there is something about when I love my pleasure, when I pursue it as more than just a gift from God, when I pursue it as God, what happens is I'm never satisfied with it because it's not meant to be on the level of God. 
It's not meant to be the end-all, be-all satisfaction. I want to give us quickly a couple of weeds to pull in the garden of divine pleasure. How do we keep ourselves from being manipulated by pleasure or pulled into a ditch one way or the other? How do we stay on the full experience of God's pleasure? Here's a couple weeds you have to pull. Here's the first one. You need to pull the weed of never understanding seasons. Chapter 7, verse 14 says, In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider that God has made one as well as the other, so that a man may not find out anything that will be after him. Here's the truth. Some people think, I'm just going to keep working and working and working and working. I'm going to keep pushing all that pleasure to the end. The truth is, there's a mix of pleasure and joy and pain and brokenness throughout this world. And if you keep pushing the pleasure to the end, thinking that someday you're going to arrive at the top of the ladder and it's going to be all pleasure, you're making a mistake. Because the truth is, there are seasons of joy. There are seasons of advancement and prosperity. There are seasons of brokenness and sickness. And if you don't accept that those go together, you're going to be really disappointed when you keep putting off seasons of enjoying what God has given you. Because you never have the time to actually enjoy it. Here's another weed to pull. It's the weed of never being able to be present with temporal joys. All these things that God has given us from food to vacation to time off to games to reading to sex to friendships. All of these things are temporal. One of the things that I've told people is I've done their premarital counseling and uh, probably some people in this room could, could acknowledge this. I've told them, always take a great honeymoon. Well, pastor, we, 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 we just bought a house and we want to put a deck on. And, and, and we got all these other plans and we want to buy a car. And, we, and I, I just tell them, like Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. So will your deck. And your house payment. And your car payment. And all these other things you need to do. Then kids will come into play and all these things. And if you don't take the time to enjoy your relationship and make memories, you never will. And your marriage will suffer. Here's another weed. It's the weed of turning gifts into an idol. This is where God's gifts turn septic. Food is awesome until it becomes gluttony as an idol. Drink, alcohol in particular, is a gift until it turns to drunkenness as an idol. Sex is an awesome gift until it becomes perversion and becomes an idol. Certainly Solomon's life from this point somewhere to the end of his life is when he decided sex would be God instead of sex would be a gift. Or work. Work is an awesome gift to spend ourselves doing meaningful things, blessing other people until it becomes an idol and becomes our identity or our meaning in life. Or here's a few other quick weeds. The weeds of never being grateful. It's never good enough. The weed of never being generous. It's the attitude of Scrooge. I can never have enough. I, they don't deserve it. I'm never generous. Listen, the people that are most happy, the people that if you, if you want to work the muscle of pleasure, become a generous person. There's a joy in giving and giving pleasure to others in addition to receiving it for yourself. There's the weed of never being content. Scripture says that godliness with contentment is of great gain. 
or the idol or weed of putting security in money instead of being dependent on God or the weed of pleasure in isolation instead of pleasure in community. Listen, God created us as community beings. We need to do life and enjoy life together. God often pulls the rug out from under us when our joy and pleasure pull us away from him. Pleasure is meant to be an appetite for heaven, not an advertisement for hell. You know, sometimes we can hit our head on the ceiling of temporaries. We look at the temporary gifts God gives, and we can feel like we're hitting our head on the glass ceiling of that only lasts in this lifetime. Now, let me tell you something about the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is that Jesus Christ broke through the glass ceiling of temporal pleasure. In fact, you can write this down quickly. We need to know the heart of God We need to know the heart of God toward you in eternal pleasures. Listen, the enjoyment of pleasure and thanksgiving are part of our preparation for eternity. Maybe you're asking, well, why does Solomon, you ever notice this? All of his things about pleasure have to do with like food and drink. Like, is he like a foodie or something? You know, I think Solomon, if he'd lived to see this, would have really enjoyed the food channel. Um, Though the food network Why does he keep mentioning food? If you think about this, the gospel story is told in meals. Think about this with me. All the way back in the garden, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. God provides good food, a beautiful environment that would have made fresh time envious. Everything was there at their, God created good and put humanity right in the middle of it. But then in chapter 3, we rebelled again with food, and we entered into sin and judgment. But if you fast forward to Exodus chapter 12, the people of God were in Egypt as slaves, and God delivered them and then put the stamp on that with Passover, the meal of Passover to be celebrated perpetually to remind them of their deliverance and hope. Then fast forward to... Another Passover, Matthew chapter 26, where if you remember Jesus celebrating Passover with his disciples, initiated the Lord's Supper, communion. And in that, he revealed to them that he was redeeming them, that his body would be broken, his blood would be shed, and that they were to eat this meal as a remembrance of what he had done for them That Jesus' body was broken and he, though innocent, his blood was shed to pay the penalty for our sin and our shame. In fact, if you've come here tonight and you're full of shame and you wish you could go back and change things, maybe some of the pleasures in your pleasure Rolodex are some things you wish weren't there. I want to tell you because of what Jesus did, his blood was shed to cover your sin. There's no sin that you've committed that somehow Jesus can't forgive. Fast forward in this meal development all the way to Revelation 19. It says that there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb where God in eternity is going to bring together all who believe in him to celebrate with Jesus Christ a large feast. It's the culmination of transformation. Then the last reference to food. Revelation 22, 
there's going to be a permanent tree, the tree of life, that people will be able to eat and that the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Ultimately, food will find its place in healing. Now, as we think about that, I want you to just quickly think about your own life. It's interesting how food says so much about us. Think about when you eat your meals. Do you eat them with people? Or are you so busy that you have to always go for fast food because I don't have time to be with people? That's saying something about what your priorities are. It's saying that maybe you're not even taking time to be with other people or even with your own family. And I know how hard that is, trying to get all the teenagers at to the same table with all the kids and all the busy schedules. I'm just really grateful we can have like one meal every three or four days together. But there's something awesome about doing that. Or think about how you, when you consume food, are you doing it with gratitude or are you negative? Is there intentionality? Is it based on your work ethic? Is there enjoyment and time to create beauty or just woof it down? What are the habits you have around food? What are the traditions you have around food? Those often say a lot about us. Is food pleasurable to you or just a necessity? You see, sometimes God can use something as simple as pleasure and food to reveal our own hearts. We're so busy about chasing this or chasing that. And instead, what God's wanting to say to us is, here's my pleasures. Enjoy them. Enjoy them thoroughly. Slow down and enjoy them. Work hard and enjoy them. The gifts that God gives are not God, but they are gifts that draw us into God in gratitude and joy. Again, pleasure is the appetizer of heaven. Biblical pleasure should lead us to, and here's the last thought, that it should lead us to live with an increasingly grateful and cheerful heart. First Timothy chapter 4, we read the first few verses. Verse 4 says, For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Look at me for a minute. Do the pleasures that God has entrusted to you, that God has given to you, do they lead you to a greater gratitude to him? Do they lead you into the heart of God? Do you really believe that you have a good, good father that wants to bring good things into your life? Do you believe that? Are you willing to receive that? Or are you rejecting God's gifts toward you? My heart, God's heart for you is that we will be stirred up in thanksgiving through all the things he's given us. As we enjoy them, that thanksgiving will overflow out of us into worship to our great God and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you as humble, needy people who often get distracted, who often let the pleasures that you give turn into the thing, instead of letting the pleasures that you give us and the gifts that you entrust to us draw us into you. Father, would you shape our hearts? Would you humble our hearts? Would you work in our hearts? Would you draw our hearts toward you? Would pleasure and the enjoyment of the good things draw us into the grace 
and the joy and the good things that you have. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Lord, if we've allowed good things to become idols, would you help us to root that idolatry out? Lord, would you draw us toward you? We thank you that even the best things in this life are only a taste of what's to come. Lord, you are such a good God that that you've created a time when suffering will be no more, when brokenness will be no more, when someday we will be with you in eternity with no limits on pleasure, with brokenness completely eradicated. And we look forward to that day. God, stir our hearts with gratitude toward you in every way. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Meeting with God is a listener-supported ministry which strives to share the good news of Jesus Christ each day. Our prayer is that this radio program will lift people's eyes and hearts to our Savior, Jesus. If you would like to be a part of the Meeting with God team of financial donors who make this ministry possible, please visit our website, verticalchurch.life. We are thankful for your partnership in the gospel. And as always, we hope to meet you back here at the very same time tomorrow for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.